This is Yorkast, hosted by the York Politics Society. Okay, welcome. Uh, feels great to finally get on with this. Well, uh, been, a, been a long time uh, coming. <laughs> Uh, highly anticipated <laughs> debut episode of your cast. Of your cast, it's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my name's Charlie. And I'm Sam. Um, we're your hosts. Um, so this episode, we just wanted to um, talk about the upcoming election. It seems like the only thing that we can really talk about at the moment. Um, not much else going on really in the <laughs> media, so it's the easiest thing for us to discuss. And maybe you guys will be interested in it too. Um, so yeah. Uh, well, the political discourse at the moment's just trampled by party politics, we were saying earlier. It's um, a bit of a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. And we just thought everything was bad enough with Brexit and everything like that, and then the, yeah. the election comes along and just, yeah, no, you know, we're all divided enough as it is. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, <laughs> Let's do it some more. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, one of the kind of... The, the, the points you were sort of talking about was how um, the the way politics is discussed at the moment is um, almost barely about policy y- you can see with like um, the the things that actually seem to swing voters doesn't seem to be policy at all it's it's about um, what people say about the candidates yeah exactly uh, they're I mean, sort of you know I think it's this election especially it's kind of looking like who can be made to look the worst yeah uh, you know rather than actually talking about what it means to uh, to stand up for what you believe in you know the um, leader of Alliance which is the basically the Northern Irish Lib Dems right uh, their leader Naomi Long said uh, she thinks this is one of the worst elections she's ever fought in terms of the level of smears the level of lies the level of discrimination. I think we can all relate to that. It's just <laughs> who can throw the most mud. Yeah, at, yeah it's, at, it's at a real shit slinging contest, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? I've I've kind of felt that way. It's it's very personal. All the attacks you've had on on the politicians, and it's it's almost, it's almost nothing about uh, the content of the manifestos. I mean, it never really is. But like, I, and people say this every every year, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, this election is the most polarizing, the most divisive ever. But it really does feel like it's. Um, so people are just going for the jugular yeah, exactly. <laughs> on everything, but not in a kind of, but not looking at the merits of of a party's platform, but more about uh, the image of, of a candidate yeah. or a kind, yeah, the sort of public perception of them. Um, it just it just scares me to think how we've actually got here, though. You know, mm. because studying politics at university, you look yeah. at the proud history. Of politics, yeah. you know, globally from its foundations in democracy, and then to where we are today. Yeah, how have we got here? You know, yeah. Is this and, is this how the system works now? Is it about people poking holes in our leaders? Yeah, you know, uh, is that stimulated by social media or oh, the press? Well, you know? Definitely, the the way the whole way that uh, the discourse kind of functions on social media just um, exacerbates the the kind of um, the kind of natural. A desire to have a go at people. <laughs> yeah. It's it's much easier to to discuss things, not discuss, but sort of argue in a very aggressive way than it is to get into the nitty gritty of, of policy. Um, and it just seems that yeah, we, we, as people who study politics and are kind of 
everything that I sort of believe in politics is based on kind of theoretical stuff, uh-huh. the advantages of policies, all that sort of thing. But when it actually comes down to the election, it's that has nothing to do with how it plays out. It's it's it almost everything is determined by uh, smears, just the sort of the way uh, people are presented in the media. It has a massive effect on uh, public perception. That seems yeah. to be what motivates people to actually vote. I think as well, there's a lot of disrespect, you know, on on, on both sides and mm. all sides of the political debate. You know, it's mm. to the point where you know you're speaking to people and they're scared to actually stand up for what they believe in because yeah. they think they're going to get, you know, mud slung at them. You've got you've got people who are uh, scared of saying they're a Tory because of of the culture of of people just not liking Tories at the moment. But also, you've got people who are ashamed to say that. They want to vote Labour, you know, because they feel disgraced by uh, uh, what the party leadership's doing. Yeah, you know? and that's just you know some people's perceptions are so blurred by mm. by that now. I feel like just very few people are proud to be supporters of a party anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's not really um, people aren't confidently uh, and openly uh, willing to be in favour of, of, of a candidate attaching themselves yeah. to a candidate and all the sort of ideas surrounding it um, because it's yeah it's just very hateful at the moment it just it just makes you question doesn't it is this you know a change in how British democracy works so is it about party politics anymore are we going to see the continuation of of party politics in this country you know is it mm. going to grow is it going to splinter yeah are there going to be new parties coming up in the next well, people were decades. people were saying this, especially after the European elections, where you had the Lib Dems almost getting the same vote share as Labour. Uh-huh. People were thinking um, that this is the end of the two-party system. There's, oh, because and the Brexit party was, was at the time as well was also surging massively. It was ahead of the Tories. The Tories were like third or fourth or something in hey, polls in yeah. in May around then. So, um, yeah, but ultimately the kind of the the electoral system and the the trappings of that has kind yeah. of reined everything back in and people are uh, the Brexit vote has very firmly moved towards the Tories and the Labour vote reluctantly sorry the, the Remain vote is kind of reluctantly dragging its feet but ultimately sort of shifting towards Labour as it yeah. again sees that the, the nature of the uh, the electoral system just means that it's not really viable to vote for anyone else in the vast majority of cases Yeah. do you think we're past first past the post now? Um, well, you know, they tried to reform it. Uh, the Lib Dems did in, was it 2011, 2012? Yeah, just after, um, just after the coalition started. And they kind of buggered it. No, yeah. no one really, <laughs> no one one really fancied it. No one cared. Yeah. No one really fancied it. Um, so like, I, don't, I don't think it would take something. I, I would see what happened in the European elections as a blip that mm. really only owed itself to uh, the nature of Brexit as an yeah. issue kind of striking through the hearts of all the the two main party bases you know yeah. um, the, the Tory party massively split the Labour party massively split between its working class vote and its middle class vote um, yeah I don't think there are many other issues that can do that um, or maybe 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 it will indicate a shift we'll probably have to see after this election when hopefully Brexit ceases, <laughs> ceases but at least declines in being the dominant yeah. or I don't know hegemonic uh, fucking <laughs> issue do you think that's what this election's about you know because there's Sky News all of their um, 
broadcasts are all about the Brexit election. You've got yeah. politicians calling well, it the Brexit election. I feel like that's what it was definitely uh, assumed it was going to be when it was called. Cool. Uh-huh. Um, and all the stuff that's been going on in Parliament uh, between the, what, for the last two odd years until now has been about that. But I feel like since the election's been called, uh, it's been the in, in the interest of Labour to shift the discourse away from Brexit simply because their position, they're having to hold together a very tenuous coalition uh-huh. uh, and Brexit makes it very difficult for them to do that. But if, if they go back to their more traditional social and economic policies, outside of Brexit, it makes it much easier to maintain that that hold. And so I feel like they've kind of successfully shifted discourse in that because it hasn't Brexit hasn't been dominating the election in the way that we thought it would. Not at all. Because uh, it's it it clearly hasn't helped the Lib Dems. Uh, they <laughs> were going into this hoping to be the Remain party. Yeah. Uh, they were very kind of there's a lot of fanfare around it and the I don't know, um when we've had to start talking about other policies, they've just kind of fallen flat on their face. And uh, Joe Swinson hasn't uh, gone down well at all. Not at all. With, no. with, with the public, she's, it's, which it's, is profoundly unlikable. Yeah, it's interesting. The more she says, the more people seem to dislike yeah, her. It's, 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 it's kind of a repeat of, of Theresa May. Yeah, in, in she's, she's, she's not really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched the, uh, the question time. Yeah. Uh, uh, not debate but the, the interview kind of thing yeah. um and it was she was dreadful <laughs> like <laughs> like I, the, the the audience was obviously very kind of well it wasn't like a, a complete cross-section of society as a whole i don't think um i mean i've never i never thought there were so many scottish nationalists in sheffield before but no, it's incredible, <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> um but it, even looking past that, like the way she responded to questions, her just kind of the overall tone in which she spoke, it just clearly went down like a cold bag of sick on people. Right. Like they just weren't, they weren't liking it at all. Do you think Brexit's hurt the Lib Dems? Because you know they've gone for the you know the cold uh, turkey kind of uh, stop Brexit, you know, yeah. revoke Article Fifty. They've, yeah. they've strayed away from the people's vote kind of argument hmm. that's disadvantaged them I think I think I mean the, the policy of revoke, uh, revoke article 50 has definitely done them no favors at all because um, combining the fact that uh, the whole kind of electoral arithmetic means that Labour are the pie that most Remainers should vote for mm-hmm. now they've taken the people's vote uh, position it's just kind of forced uh, the Lib Dems kind of paid themselves into a corner where like no one moderate can vote for them. Exactly. When that is what the Lib Dems always were. Yeah. Now it's like hardcore Europeans, really, that would, would vote for them, and that they've kind of limited their. Yeah, it's interesting because the the you always say an elections always won on the middle ground. Who can win the middle ground over? Yeah. And you've got Lib Dems stopping Brexit. You've got the Tories get Brexit done. Yeah. And you've got the Brexit party as well further down the line, and then the mm. middle ground seems to be. You know, Labour are kind of, you know, real change, uh, manifesto, kind of, you know, fresh start, not just about Brexit. Right. Do you think that's maybe Labour could be trying to gain the middle ground? In a sense, yeah. I mean, the, obviously the the position of uh, negotiating a new deal and then putting it back to the people, it's it's a kind of, it's, it's an idea that can be accepted by both sides. Yeah. Um, Whereas the Lib Dems' position is absolutely unacceptable to anyone who voted Leave. 
um, and and anyone who thinks that I mean it's it's really not right to provoke Article Fifty, I, I, even if you are like an avid remainer, it's it, it just seems it's the, it's the argument of you know is it democratic? No, no it's absolutely not. Exactly. <laughs> so to do that, so it, yeah. it, they they kind of don't have a leg to stand on, and yeah. uh, it was I don't know they've had the ground pulled from Joyce Winston's feet when she was on stage on Question Time. I exactly. think she just didn't really have an argument, and when having to answer for. Uh, you know the Lib Dems' previous failings, uh, and you know the just general public perception of the party. It, it really didn't work. Um, the her response to her legacy on austerity, who she was quite an enthusiastic supporter of within the Lib Dems. You know, in the Lib Dems, there's a spectrum of people varying on how much they think austerity was a good idea and how yeah. enthusiastic they were about it. But she was her voting record was very firmly with the Tories. Yeah. during the coalition years and she in in a sense she's more unapologetic about it than the Tories are because the Tories are now you know wanting uh, spending increases yeah. um, they've kind of ceded to Labour on that point yeah it, Labour's kind of won the argument haven't they to turn back on the spending tabs you know they've been yeah. about it for years and years and years and now it's actually becoming a consensus yeah yeah for two, everyone yeah two years ago it was all, it was all uh, magic money tree you know you yeah. can't uh, you can't be spending all this money. It's 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 irresponsible. But now the Tories seem to have kind of ceded to to that point, and now call they've called an end to austerity. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do you think no matter what, there'll be no coalition, or do you think there could be a coalition after this election? Well, I mean, if if we get a home parliament, I don't I don't know who would join up with the Tories because. The Lib Dems ordinarily could, but because of their positions on Brexit, Brexit that's yeah. no longer feasible. Exactly. Um, but also with the way the Lib Dems have acted about Labour, also kind of, you know, I don't think... Labour Scots nuts? Possibly. I mean, you saw uh, Sturgeon in the on Question Time. Yeah. She was very kind of... I mean, she wasn't going for Labour at all, even though the SNP are looking to sweep up all of Labour's remaining seats in Scotland, you know, they, they're probably going to happen. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. But um, but she was saying a lot, like, I agree with Jeremy on a lot of things. Pretty much the only argument they had was about, you know, Jeremy's pro-maintaining the union, and yeah. and she obviously isn't. Um, I think when push comes to shove, it's certainly possible. It's yeah. all very academic, obviously, because you have no idea uh what things are going to happen i guess speaking of that we could talk about the polls <laughs> yeah how exciting they are you know well we had it was the yougov mrp one that was the big one that everyone was always talking about you know only poll to predict the 2017 election result. Yeah, yeah and then you know this one's come out and said it's going to be a Tory majority of 68 yes uh do you think that's optimistic um well I think since then it, the the lead has kind of narrowed yeah. a little bit. It's moved to sort of around nine or ten points. Labour on sort of low thirties, Tories on low forties. Yeah. That's kind of where most of the polls seem to be sitting now. Um, I don't think Labour will close the gap completely, but they might be able to force a hung parliament. Yeah, um, I think a hung parliament would benefit Labour. I just don't see how. You know, everyone I've talked to about it. You know, I think if it's a hung parliament, I don't think the Tories. Will be able to govern. I don't think they have any friends left in, <laughs> in Parliament to no. go into coalition or even confidence to supply with. They've the only people they could scramble together in twenty seventeen with the DUP, and that's out even of the now window now. It, yeah. So like, I don't, I don't think there's any kind of uh, way out for them now if they can't get a majority. Um, 
Is it possible for them to call another election? I don't know how it works. Well, it'll be a case of the largest parties always asked to form government by the Queen. Yeah. So chances are the Tories are going to be the largest party again mm. if it's on Parliament. They'll be asked to form government. If they can't get a Queen's speech through, uh, if they can't pass anything, then they'll, they'll be a invitation to Corbyn to yep. form a government because he's the second largest party probably. Yeah. And then... It's a case of seeing what he can scrabble together. If he can't, there's another election. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Ed, I'm, I don't want another one. No, I'm not another one. I'm so sick of this. Three and four years is yeah, enough. Yeah, and, and I just want... Like, I don't want Brexit done, but I want Brexit as an issue to be done. Just like, it, It's It's yeah. for something that's been like so divisive and so kind of dominating the discourse. It is a utterly boring it, well it's sad <laughs> tedious you know, it, it makes me upset for someone who's passionate about politics you know we're yeah. both passionate about politics and yet the whole discourse is Brexit you know yeah. and it's just we can't talk about what matters to us you know mm. about improving education about the climate emergency yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's really tough it'd be different if Brexit was like some kind of life changing uh, thing that everyone had a really passionate feeling about but yeah. I feel like for most it, it's sort of been skewed into that in the referendum. It's yeah. what it tried to represent, kind of awkwardly fitting into that whole. But it, it, it at the heart of it, discussing uh, the Brussels bureaucracy and trade regulation, it's really fucking awful. <laughs> and I'm sick to death of it. Uh, and I was really hoping that this election, one way or another, for better or worse, could put that to bed and we could talk about something else. Uh, but that might not be the case. So I suppose while we're um, talking about how elections aren't really determined by policy and it's all about uh, what people think about the candidates and what their perception of them is, uh, why don't we talk about, uh, we could, we've talked a little bit about Joe Swinson already, we can probably yeah. talk about uh, the leaders of the two main parties now and uh, a little bit about uh, how their image has gone down with the public. Um, this is. You know, Corbyn's second election he's fighting, Boris's first, uh, how we're how we're taking to them, you know, as the public. Yeah, well, there's been a Cantar poll released uh just twenty minutes ago, uh on most recent preference for Prime Minister. Uh they're putting Johnson on forty one percent and they're putting Corbyn on twenty two percent. Oh right. Uh so Corbyn on or above twenty percent is slowly becoming the norm apparently yeah. throughout the opinion polls so you know two leaders neither of which are overwhelmingly no popular no you know, with with the british public at large no. i think i think the electorate's become very splintered as well there doesn't seem to be much cohesiveness you know there's a huge split now between if you are you know 50 or over how you're going to vote and if you're under 50 how you're going to vote you know it's becoming even more it seems like they're stretching it out as much as they possibly can mm. you know yeah so there was this uh, article that I remember reading or trying to read um, back in July when Boris became leader of the Tories um, that I mean I read it and I thought it was horrendous but I didn't need to read it I, I, I knew it was going to be bad already because it's by Toby Young in The Spectator um, and it was about uh Toby's experiences having met Boris or seen him speak when he was at Oxford um, at the Oxford Union yeah. um, and 
it, it was I mean he's such a sycophant it was horrendous <laughs> fawning like uh, description of Boris and the way he how what an excellent speaker he is and uh-huh. his kind of gravitas and everything um, and he likened him to uh, Nietzsche's Ubermensch which is <laughs> the most horrendous like thing I've ever seen written about Boris Um, just knowing how grotesque and how utterly shitty he is as a speaker I mean I can understand why people would feel like during his time as mayor where he wasn't like or he's not as as leading a political figure as as he is now and most of it was just kind of led by stunts and joking around yeah people weren't really paying attention to the detail yeah. of what he was doing as mayor, I could see why people would think that, but like having him now, you know, speak to voters uh, again, going back to Question Time, where he also did very poorly. Um, I mean, he's just awful, like you know, incomprehensible, posh gurgling and sort of. I, I, there's something about him that I can see why it appeals I think people think he's very clever because he's kind of he's got this very uh, obviously people know he's from old money and everything you know he's went to he was in the um, the Bullingdon Club with Cameron and everything so he's like he's very much in people's minds associated with that elite the establishment and and he and he likes you know quoting Rudyard Kipling and bits of latin all the time and, it, and i guess that can yeah. give off the image of him being clever but like he, he, come, he comes out with some uh, incredible uh what was it the invertebrate jellies kind of uh, some of some of the comments he comes out with you know uh the, the words that yeah he never I, thought existed yeah they're just unnecessarily verbose and he can yeah. he, and he uses that to be racist as well of course which has been discussed a lot in the election which unfortunately doesn't seem to have any effect on how people want to vote it doesn't seem to be uh, gov- people don't people who would support the Tories don't seem to be uh, affected by that in any way the fact that he's probably the most unapologetically racist candidate we've had this side of the turn of the millennium like he's just so he's when most of I'm going to sound like a raging Corbynite here but like when all the media attention is on Corbyn and the anti-Semitism and stuff and not to deny that there are things in the Labour Party that have been anti-Semitic and it's a problem when you have what Boris has been saying about uh, Muslims about black people like if, if Corbyn was in any way as openly like that about Jews it would be I mean, it would be. I mean, it would be horrendous, be first of all. But like, it, it would, it would be, it would absolutely sink him immediately. Yeah. Um, but there seems to be a different standard for the Tories. I mean, I guess this isn't news to us. That, you know, people hold lefty parties to a higher standard than right-wing ones on issues of of race. But yeah. um, like, it, it's very disappointing to see how little it is affected. Yeah, the I think he's he's used language that's not okay you know in the political sphere no you know it, it's it was okay a uh, hundred years ago which is, seems to be like the world that he and Rhys yeah. Mogg are trapped in where he kind of <laughs> just imagines that he's still I don't know in the British Raj or whatever I, I don't know when <laughs> I mean, he's a fan of Rudyard Kipling which figures given you know what Kipling what said Kipling about said about, yeah. uh, about other races yeah. but um, 
Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> it's sad, isn't it, that, that these are the two leaders that we've got. I mean, I, was, I saw a, a stat that 5% of people think the current crop of contenders offer a better standard of leadership than in the past. You know, yeah. 5%. Five, 5%. Mm, yeah, we've got the best leaders we've mm. ever had. Forty-five percent said that they're the worse than the previous yeah. set of leaders. It's, it's just sad that mm. this is what the choice is between. Mm. In fairness to them, that happens every election. Yeah, in, in not just here but in other countries as well. People say in America, this election, the people on offer are so much worse than last time and and the time before that. It's a very consistent kind of thing because people inevitably will see the past as more kind of stable and predictable because yeah. they've gone through it uh, than the situation now. And so they're, I don't know, it, it's more kind of upsetting when they see the current crop of candidates doing stupid things. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, both, no matter what Corbyn and Boris do for, the, if, for their bedrock support, you know, there's mm. not much they can really say or do that's going to make their bedrock support you know stray away from them because it's become quite uh, tribal you know the, oh absolutely the, yeah. the hard left of the Labour Party and the, the ERG sympathetic wing of the Tory party you know it's mm. tribal support for, for these two candidates yeah and it seems that you know, there's nothing we can do as ordinary voters to to change that you know it's just yeah well fundamentally sad. like if because of the way that uh, the the that parties have been split up into factions and are all very hostile to each other. Mm. Uh, members of those factions are willing to gloss over the the bad qualities of their leader yeah. just to maintain their control of the party. And that's why you see Islamophobia being brushed over in the Tory party, and it's equally yeah. why you see anti-Semitism being pushed aside of the Labour party. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a, a natural result of... Uh, the splitting up of parties into these very distinct factions that uh, do not like each other, that constantly try to uh, undermine each other yeah. and seize power. Um, but yeah, I think that with that in mind, um, I don't know where I'm going with this actually. It's, it's sad, isn't it? Because this is what we've got, the only way really that we have any power to change it is at the ballot box you know it's mm. you know it's to vote out those yeah. we don't want and mm. and that's what and coming on to another point that i was really interested in is the amount of voter registrations that have yeah. been going on at the moment this it's, is like a this will be a real decisive factor in the election because obviously labor are really counting on people registering to vote yeah uh, the tories are extremely silent on it they don't want anyone to register to vote because all the people they want to vote are already registered because they they're 50 plus years old exactly um, so uh, you know, it's, it's crazy isn't it I saw uh, something both the Lib Dems and the Tories someone did a search through their, their Twitter algorithms mm. in, for register to vote yeah, and um, you know there was nothing no mentioning the Tories it. or the Lib Dems yeah. the, the, the push to register is entirely by Labour because they want young people to come out and vote because uh, there was the kind of impression that, that happened in the last election uh, but then sort of um Afterwards, the kind of data showed that that didn't really happen, and so yeah. it's kind of made Corbyn's team thinking, well, if it had, like that could have really been the push to tip it over the edge and get Labour in government. So, and it could it could be a big change now because I, I suppose 
people who haven't been registered before, I don't know how polling works, but they might not be included in this as much as people who have been voting all the time. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it could be like a real kind of polling day uh, shock, you know, if, if all these registered voters who have previously been silent or, you know, yeah, children um, yeah. <laughs> uh, come out and vote Labour, then it might be like a, a, a very different story to the one we're kind of expecting. Yeah. Well, since the election was called, it's been something like 3.8 million yeah. new voter registrations. Yeah. And, you know, if you've registered to vote since the election was called, you're going to vote. And, you know, that's yeah. 3.8 million new voters mm, yeah. that you're throwing into the electorate. Who statistically are young. Well, 67% of them were 34 or under. Yeah, and so, so that's... That's big. That's you know. big, and that's very exciting for Labour. But if, um, they just need to make sure we turn up on the day. Yeah, uh, which is always difficult for young voters. Well, yeah, exactly. Will every new registered voter use their vote? How will they use it? Mm. You know, we've got a first-past-the-post system, like we said earlier. Uh, 3.85 million votes, you know. A lot of people are confused about, like, how... Where's that where, where, where a vote goes and, like, what they should do. And also, whilst the benefit is that uh, new voters are you know, typically young and so typically yeah. expected to be left-wing, broadly speaking... Um, the problem is they haven't got any long-term alliances of any parties either because they're young. So, like, it's... Um, whilst Labour could expect them to vote uh, for Corbyn, there's no guarantee of that happening no. and they can be persuaded in another way and Brexit might be an issue that does that. Um, and it was certainly... It seemed to be one that the Lib Dems were trying to take advantage of. Um, after the... Well, sorry, with the European elections... Um, they did very well. They polled uh -huh. almost equally to Labour, I think, um, in terms of raw numbers. And um, there was, I think, there was a genuine fear amongst, uh, like, amongst uh, the Labour Party that going into this election, the kind of the student vote, who are overwhelmingly pro-Europe, uh -huh. uh, would be compelled to switch to the Lib Dems. But I think with a mixture of Labour's campaigning on issues besides Brexit and people coming to terms with the nature of the electoral system that's kind of shifted but yeah. we'll have to see how much this does benefit Labour when uh, when the exit poll comes out yeah it, well it, the turnout I think is going to be really interesting to mm. see what is going to look like who is actually going to come out and vote yeah. on the 12th of December because you know it's going to be really cold you know mm. it's going to mm. be dark for most of polling day yeah you know, Old people might not come out, yeah. might die. People <laughs> don't know who to vote for as well. You know, we yeah. said, you know, in this age of party politics, is it, it, it seems quite broken at times. Some people just look at the political sphere and like, I don't really care. I don't want to vote for this. Yeah, you know? and maybe they come out in the summer, but if it's a cold winter's day and it's coming out to Christmas, it's like, oh, fuck it, I can't be bothered. Be bothered with um, it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a huge that's problem. One thing I did notice on the... Tory social media stream was Boris Johnson doing a video encouraging people to register for a postal vote. Yeah. Uh, because that is one thing that I did see. Uh, that is how the Tories win. Yeah. It is, uh, the postal vote is a massive, massive thing for them. And the, t the Tory vote tends to be more turned out than Labour or Lib Dem vote. If people are yeah. going to vote Tory, normally they'll come out and vote Tory. Hmm. Labour and Lib Dem, you know, some, nationally speaking. No, yeah, because... The, but the, the Tory base is older, yeah, uh, and they typically have much higher turnouts. With um, I think it was like over sixties, they have almost eighty percent higher it's turnout, and then with with younger people, it's around fifty percent. 
just as just a switch in that you know in that arithmetic would completely change as uh, elections yeah it's, but it's and it's it's a very difficult question for uh, for lefty parties to figure out the answer to yeah. and then you've got the question who should vote you know <laughs> because turnout's all well and good talking about but then you've got this big argument at the moment should under 18s be able to vote you've had the UUP the basically the centre right party in Northern Ireland have said mm. today that they believe that 16 year olds should have the vote and that they've come out and said that oh right that's, that's unusual because it's normally it's normally the left parties yeah because it's that. because again young voters but now the UUP or a centre right party mm. have come out and said they think 16 year olds should have the vote is that the way yeah. we're going at the moment well and it's happened in Scotland as well exactly. I think that it, it, I feel like as long as it remains an issue it's probably only a matter of time um yeah. Uh, the 16, 17 year olds were very kind of vocal during the referendum and they were uh, there was a big kind of in the aftermath of the results uh, it kind of caused a generational divide with people who weren't old enough to vote saying that their future's been determined by people who have just voted and died <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's it's very uh it's very kind of I don't know it's difficult for um, I don't know I'm going with that <laughs> I'll cut that bit out <laughs> the uh, question as well Labour have talked about should EU citizens be able yeah. to have a vote you know mm. because it's a big issue at the moment if with the current Brexit climate yeah. you gave all EU citizens the right to vote because obviously they can vote in local elections yeah, uh, in this country, but not a general election. And that's probably what affected the Lib Dem surge in in May. In actually. the Euros, yeah. Uh, because it was well, you know, at the time the Lib Dems were the clear Remain party, yeah. and any European citizen living here would, you know, even if they disagreed with Lib Dems on virtually any other issue, they would feel compelled to vote for them on that one because it's it it's you know given what the kind of the very kind of ambiguous. Uh, story the Tories have been telling about the rights that uh, European citizens will have in the UK after well, it's all a bit after we leave it's all a bit <laughs> can't be yeah. not sure at the moment and yeah. I don't yeah. think yeah, they wouldn't want to take the risk with, with, with finding out what happens to them so they'd yeah. rather but yeah I, I think I think obviously this election is too late for that to be um, yeah decided but in, in future ones there'll continue to be a push for the, the young for the lowering of the uh, voting age yeah um, and yeah there will also be discussion about European citizens and prisoners as well I think well yeah I was just going to say t- taken away from the kind of the nasty party political uh, debate a bit more of a theoretical question should prisoners have the right to vote I think so I don't I don't think that um, the, the, the whole kind of system of uh Taking away people's rights once they commit a crime yeah. is very kind of archaic, and it, it, it's yeah. it's it's kind of rooted in a, in a very old-fashioned understanding of uh, of punishment and reducing crime, which doesn't really uh, match up with the evidence we have on it now. The where liberal consensus in, in our democracy, really. Yeah, and like the letting the taking away uh, prisoners' rights to vote, amongst other rights. It's worse in America, but it's still yeah. to a degree true here. Um, it makes it harder for them to re- to be rehabilitated, and it's 
And it's one thing to imagine every prisoner as being like some mass murderer, but that's not the case. And so, mm-hmm. like, it, it, I don't even looking past what it will mean to a, a prisoner in terms of their re- rehabilitation if they don't feel so cut off from society, they're still allowed to vote, they're still allowed to be involved in sort of, you know, public discourse and whatever. Yeah. Um, even looking beyond that, I just don't think it's ethical um, to to do that. And, yeah. and it, is it to a degree cynical because it would, you know, uh, be a bigger benefit to lefty parties and right wing ones as it is with sixteen year olds voting? Yeah, but at the same time, it doesn't make it uh, not valid. You yeah. Know? Um, Should it be compulsory to vote? No. No, because obviously in Australia, you have to vote. You have to vote. vote, You get fined. You can turn up and spoil Spoil your ballot. Um, (laughs) To be honest, if I could tell you, I did this A-level and I had a good reason. I had a good reason to to say why it was not a good thing and I've since forgotten it. Um, I feel like artificially inflating turnout when people... I feel like uh, the fact that people are disappointed in the system... Um, and the candidates should be reflected in the turnout, yeah. and I don't. And I feel like, well, some people will support the va- support the ballot. Some people will just vote for people just because, yeah, fuck it, whatever, it doesn't matter. Let's do it. Just vote for the they, top. They have to come there anyway, and so that will. I don't think that's. It doesn't really. It kind of artificially inflates the legitimacy of the winning party. Yeah. It kind of gives them a mandate they don't really have. Um, surely democracy should all be about freedom freedom, freedom and to vote yeah, if you want to the you know? choice yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that should happen yeah. so to I suppose conclude um, I know we've sort of the um, our this first episode it's just kind of us been meandering around other topics we've not really had a grips haven't had much of a focus yeah we're just trying to get to grips of uh talking it's a learning curve we'll, we'll, we'll get the hang of it um i promise um yeah. but uh as, as just like a a final point i suppose to the listeners uh, if you're out there um yeah we really want to get you involved you know it's gonna get really boring if it's just me and charlie waffling on about our uh, our grievances with the political system so we really want to get you involved so we're going to be using uh, the Pulsoc social media channels we want to get you involved we want to hear what you want us to talk about what matters to you in the political sphere at mm. the moment uh, has there been something in a lecture that's been talked about that you really want to hear discussed a bit more by students do you want to uh, get involved and you've got ideas who we could have on the show uh, what matters to you the most we'll be putting out a few polls hopefully to try and just get your opinion on stuff like that yeah we want to set a kind of for each episode we want to have a bit more of a focus we've picked the election this time because it's it's our opening episode it's what's coming up it just seems yeah. to make sense but the, the nature of an election just inevitably means that there's infinite number of things you can talk about but it, it, we kind of lack focus especially because we're not very experienced at this but going into the new year we'll have more episodes where we try and give it a specific focus on a certain topic um we have got some academics lined up who will be coming in to speak to us very namely, exciting namely dan keith and dimitrios stroikos who all of you will be familiar with <laughs> uh, which obviously be very exciting um but if you guys have any other ideas and that'd be much appreciated um and yeah hopefully next year we can have some 
concise, informative and interesting episodes uh, yeah. with a, a sharp focus. And hopefully 2020 will be a year of nicer political discourse. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. All right. Have a Thank great Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas.